Hi, I'm Rob Buckingham. Welcome to episode 47 of Digging Deeper. This is a weekly podcast in which we do a deep dive into a theme or subject and discover what the Bible has to say. This episode investigates what the Bible says about the afterlife. Many people are fascinated by what happens after death. Do we go straight to heaven or does our soul sleep? Does the human soul become immortal at death or at the resurrection of the dead? Plus, burial or cremation, does the Bible state a preference? But first, do we go straight to heaven when we die or to sleep until Judgment Day? Let's find out. The first question is, do we go straight to heaven when we die or to sleep until judgment day? Leading on from this, when we are born again, does our spirit become immortal or do we wait until we are resurrected? So great questions. And and I am going to actually divide those in two and I'll address the two parts one at a time. So part one, is do we go straight to heaven when we die or to sleep until judgment day? So there are a couple of beliefs about that. One belief is that as soon as we die, our spirit or soul, uh, those two words, by the way, don't get confused by them. They're used interchangeably in Scripture. They refer to the non-material part Uh, of your being. So we have the physical, material part, which is our body, and then the non-material part, which is our spirit or our soul. Invariably, it's called the spirit when it deals with the way our non-material part interacts with God. And then invariably, it's called the soul in Scripture when it's about that non-material part of us engaging uh, with the environment around us as well as fellow human beings. That's not a hard and fast rule in Scripture, uh, but I find that's a helpful uh, couple of definitions to use uh, of the spirit soul or the non-material part. So some Christians believe that that part of us, when the body dies, goes straight to be with God in heaven. Um, And then there are other Christians who believe in a thing called soul sleep, and I'll tell you the scriptures that um, they get those or that doctrine from a little bit later. And that basically says that the soul goes to sleep until the end time judgment and then is resurrected uh, to find out what their fate is. So firstly, let's define what we mean by heaven, because in the Bible, there are actually three heavens so, uh, and they're, they're referred to not as first heaven, second heaven, um, or th- but actually, yes, third heaven is referred to in Scripture. Um, but the first heaven is just the atmosphere. It's the sky, the atmosphere around us. James talks about that. For example, um, in his little letter, he says, the heavens gave rain. And so what James is talking about there, of course, is the, the sky, the atmosphere, the clouds. So that's the first heaven. The second heaven refers to that which is beyond our atmosphere. So it really is the universe. Um, and we read of that, for example, in Psalm 8 and verse 3, when I behold your heavens, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. And so there he's talking about that which is beyond our atmosphere, um, and we call that the second heaven. And then the third heaven is the home of God. And we read about that in several places in Scripture, in fact, many places. Uh, Hebrews 1.3 is an example for you. After Jesus had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So that heaven is referring not to the atmosphere, not to the universe, but really a spiritual dimension, which is the home of God, which we refer to in Scripture as heaven. And so here we see the resurrected, glorified, exalted Jesus sitting at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, the right hand there, of course, being the position of authority. Jesus is the Father's right-hand man. And so they're the three heavens. Paul talks about uh, the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12. He talks about himself, but he's talking about himself in the third person, and uh, he talks about visiting the third heaven. It's the third heaven that Jesus is in now. There is a human being, a man, in heaven, and that is the man Jesus Christ. And it will be the third heaven that is the focus in answering this question. Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven, which is the impact of that spiritual dimension, which is the home of God. It's the impact that that has on this earth. So it's God's nature, God's character, God's power, the impact of that on the earth. So you might remember in the Lord's Prayer, for example, one of the prayers that Jesus encourages his followers to pray is kingdom, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in that spiritual dimension, which is called heaven. In Scripture, often the Bible writers would talk about heaven as being up and hell or the grave was down, and but the earth to them was a flat disk. Uh, and so heaven isn't up. Heaven is a, a a fourth dimension, if you like, a spiritual dimension that is outside of the three dimensions that we uh, live in here on planet Earth. And part of our prayer is that God's will will be done on Earth as it is in heaven. And that's the emphasis of the New Testament and the teachings of Jesus that the church, by His Spirit, will actually impact the Earth in a heavenly way. Uh, how are we going with that? Sometimes great, sometimes not so good. We're seeing some stuff in the news over the last few weeks and months uh, about several uh, very large churches in different nations where uh, abuse has been discovered and all of this kind of stuff. And so that kind of thing brings hell on earth. The church is meant to bring heaven on earth, and that is part of of our prayer and just to be the focus of all those who are followers of Jesus Christ. So with that background in mind, we're talking about the third heaven, the home of God, the spiritual dimension. So the question, part one again, is so do we go straight to heaven, that spiritual dimension, when we die, or do we go to sleep until judgment day? So let's have a look at some scriptures uh, in this regard. And you might want to note these verses down, at least the, the references, and then in your own time you could 
read these again and really meditate on the truth that we find here. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in, uh, Paul is talking about the human body, it's a tent, it's a temporary dwelling place. So, yep, look after it, but make sure you look after your spirit um, as a higher priority. We know if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. He's talking there about our resurrection body. Uh, the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So when the body dies, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. We're at home in heaven with the Lord. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23, which is an interesting one here, he says, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better. So Paul's in jail here. He's in jail. He's writing about joy. He's writing a, a wonderful letter of encouragement to the Philippian believers, and he's wondering whether it's time for him to die. Is he going to die now? The fact is that he wouldn't and that he would be in prison two more times, and it would be on the third time that he was in prison that he would be executed and then he would go to heaven to be with the Lord. So, But his desire was to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, and uh, I'm sure that you feel the same way. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom, to him be glory forever and ever Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16, instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. Uh, so magnificent, of course, Hebrews 11 talking about all of the men and women of faith who had already passed away by the time of Jesus and he says they were longing for a better place, a better place to live, not just this earth, but a heavenly one. And uh, and and God's already prepared a home for them. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It's wonderful, isn't it? And you think about all of the times that you do good works, um, every time you give finance, you know, the Bible says over and over that we're building up treasure for ourselves in heaven. And so this is an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So there's some verses that I think fairly clearly outline that when the body, the human body dies, the spirit finds itself at home in heaven in the presence of the Lord. Another couple of verses that you might like to check out too, John chapter 5 and verses 28 and 29, and Jesus says, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done uh, what is good will rise to life and those who have done what is evil will rise to be 
condemned. And there's another couple of verses that I'll use to uh, go into a bit more detail on that in just a moment. So it appears that upon death, the soul of the faithful person goes to be with the Lord in his presence. But some Christians, as I said earlier, believe that a person's soul sleeps from death to the resurrection. And, of course, there are verses in the Scripture that talk about soul sleep as well. So let's outline uh, a couple of these. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verses 13 and 14, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So there, of course, just a little side point here, it, that verse doesn't mean that Christians don't grieve. I've, I've met and I've heard this taught, um, particularly in some areas of the faith and prosperity teaching, that we're not meant to grieve. I met a lady years ago who had lost her son in, uh, in a dreadful road accident and her church told her, well, you know, Jesus has taken our griefs, therefore you don't have to grieve. And so she never had, uh, which is absolutely horrendous because grief is a really healthy process that we have to go through. And sometimes it can take a good year or two and maybe even longer to work through those things. But what Paul is saying here is that, that Christians don't grieve like the rest of humanity who have no hope. And so as followers of Jesus, we have a future and a hope. So obviously our grief is going to be different to those who don't have that hope. I have a hope that one day I'm going to see my mum again. So although I grieved when she passed away, and there are times even now, even though it's like six years down the track, I miss her. Uh, but I don't grieve like people who don't have a hope uh, because I have a hope. And my hope is that she is a follower of Jesus Christ and I will be reunited at some point in time. But there Paul talks about us not being uninformed about this and the, those who sleep in death. Now, some people interpret that as that the soul sleeps until the resurrection. Others say that Paul is using sleep here as a metaphor to say that death is it's temporary because one degree of life leads to another degree of life. So to us, it looks like they're sleeping. Um, going on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Hopefully, he'll wake them up before he brings them back. Uh, Jesus said... Um, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this is an interesting statement here that uh, Jesus is talking to the thief on the cross who responded to Jesus. And Jesus' response to him is, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, those who believe in soul sleep change the com one of the commas and they change it to this. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, you can say, well, you know, that really isn't right. But the fact is there's no, there's no punctuation in the original manuscripts. And so the English translators have added punctuation where they believe it should be put. 
And so there are some people who believe the comma should be put um, after truly I tell you, and the emphasis then becomes on today. Today you'll be with me in paradise. But for those who believe in soul sleep, they'll just put the comma one word later. Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise, which then, of course, puts the statement into the future. Um, I tend to believe that absent from the body is present with the Lord and that we won't be asleep. But I, I, there's scriptures that prove both. I think the weight of scripture tends to be uh, heavier on the side of those who believe that as soon as the person dies, their spirit is found alive and awake uh, in the presence of a loving God. Um, and so resurrection, by the way, um, always refers to the body. So Jesus, when he was resurrected, it was about his body resurrecting. So uh, believers in Jesus, the resurrection is the time that we receive a new body. And if we have time, we'll get into that in this session. If not, um, we'll continue uh, talking about this next week. But um, for uh, believers at the point of resurrection, we get a brand new body, which is very, very exciting. Um, and so uh, that body, of course, will live forever and is very, very different to the body that we have now. Um, so to answer the first part of this question, I believe that our spirit or soul goes straight to heaven when we die. But I do understand why some Christians believe the soul sleeps until judgment day. Before we get into the second part of the question, I would, would just like to uh, highlight to you Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. This is just wonderful. And I think these verses just breathe so much hope uh, into our hearts. He says here, Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that just wonderful? So death, neither death nor life. So death can't separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so let that really, really encourage you. We hope you're enjoying this Digging Deeper podcast and that it helps you with your understanding of the Bible and how it applies to life. If you're finding it helpful, please let others know about it. One way to do this is by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. That goes a long way to help other people find us. And please like us on Facebook. Now back to Rob. Let's get into the second part of the question uh, leading on from this. When we are born again, does our spirit become immortal or do we wait until we are resurrected? And so one of the outcomes of Jesus' death and resurrection is the gift of eternal life. And I, I think it's really important. I've come to the understanding, this is my belief now, I haven't always believed this, but I certainly do now, that people, human beings, do not possess immortality. We are not immortal. That's why immortality or eternal life is called a gift from God. So let us look at um, some scripture in this regard. And the first verse is 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
and verse 16. And it says here, God alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no person has seen or can see. The first part of that verse I think is really important. God alone has immortality. In other words, if God alone has immortality, that means that nobody else has got it. And so people don't possess immortality. That's why eternal life or immortality is a gift from God. Uh, the other verse which I think is interesting here is John chapter 5 and verse 26. Jesus is speaking, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And this is obviously a quality of life that is beyond mere human life. So God has eternal life, if you like, or immortality in himself. There is no beginning to God and no ending. Uh, human beings all have a beginning, and you can have immortality. You can have eternal life by becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Other than that, um, I don't believe that the Bible teaches that humans are immortal. Another verse that I find very interesting with that regard is that is Genesis chapter 3 and verses 22 and 23. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Remember, the humans had disobeyed God. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden. Interesting, isn't it? Now, we've looked at Genesis chapter 1 to 11 in previous podcasts. I think it was podcast 11 that is talk, talking about understanding Genesis. The first 11 chapters of Genesis are parables or metaphor, if you like. So there's a story here that contains truth. And the story infers very strongly that God created people um, with the potential to live forever, but then withdrew that once people had sinned. And so he said, let, let them not eat from whatever this tree of life is, because if they do, they're going to live forever in a sinful state. And God in his love didn't want that to happen. So human beings began to die after that um, took place. Uh, so people do not live forever. The human soul is not immortal apart from an act of God by granting the gift of eternal life in Jesus. So some other verses um, that reflect this, um, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, our Saviour Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So life, eternal life and immortality was not something that was part of the human condition before Jesus. So our Saviour Christ Jesus destroyed death. When Jesus died and rose again, death was destroyed and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Uh, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour, 
Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So some really interesting verses there. Uh, I'll draw your attention to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4 as well. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Wonderful truth. So our inheritance, it's imperishable, it's pure, undefiled, and it's unfading. It will last forever. And that inheritance is kept, reserved in heaven for you. Be encouraged by that. Uh, Romans chapter 2. And verse 7, to those who by patience in well-doing seek glory and honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. Um, That's a very interesting insight there. Um, I would have to look at that in in its context. But to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality, that person will be given eternal life. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, that word hell there is uh, not a great translation of the word. Um, Modern translations normally translate it all as hell. The Hebrew word is um, is the word we get our word Gehenna from. Uh, it's really Gehinnom or the Valley of Hinnom. And it's a metaphor that Jesus is adopting here. Um, the Valley of Hinnom was a place where children were sacrificed in prehistoric times. In ancient times, they were sacrificed by fire to the god Moloch or Moloch rather, M O L. O-C-H, Moloch. And so then Gehenna is used as um, an, a word uh, in the scriptures to denote end time punishment, if you like, or, or punishment at the end, which I don't believe. Um, I, I don't believe that God tortures people in hell forever. Uh, these days are much more, um, I think, along the line of uh, God resurrecting all people, a judgment taking place, um, and people receiving a level of punishment um, for the sins that they have committed. And then those who are not followers of Jesus um, will uh, be annihilated at that point. They haven't been given the gift of immortality or eternal life Um but that's kind of where it sits for me at the moment. I've, I've gone on a bit of a journey with this, as I've shared in uh, previous chats. Um, and so, but that's where I'm, I'm kind of landed at the moment. Uh, feel free to ask some questions around that, but I have explored that in previous podcasts as well. So I believe that we are given the gift of eternal life when we are born again. Whether our spirit becomes immortal at that point, I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe it does, or maybe it becomes immortal when we are resurrected. Um, But I believe that those who follow Jesus Christ are given the gift of immortality, are given the gift of eternal life.
Next question is an interesting one, and and there's only a really short answer to this. Burial or cremation? Does the Bible refer to any preference? The short answer to that is no. The Bible actually doesn't uh, talk about uh, a preference between burial or cremation. Uh, Cremation is certainly not listed as a sin in Scripture. It's not listed as something that is wrong. It is neither encouraged or commanded. Um, and it's not a sin. So uh, we we actually really don't find um, cremation much in the Bible. There is maybe one or two references. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 31 and verse 12 is interesting. All the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh and cremated them there, burned them there. So we we see something about cremation there. There's no uh, judgment made about cremation. It's just a statement of historical fact that we read there in 1 Samuel 31 and verse 12. Burial, of course, is mentioned several times in Scripture. Uh, Jesus was buried in a tomb. Uh, 2 Chronicles 16 verses 13, 14 says, then in the 41st year of his reign, Asar died and rested with his ancestors. They buried him in the tomb that he had cut out for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a bier, B-I-E-R, a bier or a beer, (laughs) if you want a beer, uh, covered with spices and various blended perfumes, and they made a huge fire in his honour. So it doesn't say there that they burned the body. They buried him in a tomb, but then they had this amazing fire as well. So being cremated is not going to hinder God in resurrecting you. And I think that's really important because the Bible says we receive a new body. Um, And we'll see this as we start to unpack the next question. Uh, I believe it's up to the individual to choose the manner of the treatment of their body after death. I think it's important as well to let our loved ones know Uh, what our preference is. Uh, Maybe even you want to put that in your will so that people know after your death. I know we don't really like talking about these things, but I think it's important that we make our wishes very, very clear. And Christy and I have certainly done that to each other. Uh, My preference, as is Christy's, is to be cremated. Um, I, I actually like the thought of that a whole lot more than being stuck six feet under in a box. One of, one of my worst nightmares would be to be buried alive. And so, I mean, I know that's not going to be possible uh, with all of the treatment that happens after death anyway, but I just think cremation and then to have my ashes scattered in some places that hold significance to me. And so Christy's actually already given me a list of the places where she wants me to scatter her ashes if she happens to die before I do, um, which I haven't given her a list yet, but um, I, I will do that at some point. So burial or cremation, does the Bible refer to any preference? The answer is no to that. Um, you feel free to make up your own mind, your own decision on that issue. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Every Wednesday, a new episode of Digging Deeper is released. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others and rate and review us on iTunes. That goes a long way to help others find us. If you have a question or topic that you'd like Rob to address, please contact us at Rob Buckingham's Public Figure Facebook page.
Join us next week as Pastor Rob answers the question, what will our resurrected body be like? Also, did people really live for hundreds of years in the ancient world as Genesis suggests? And Rob will share his thoughts on euthanasia and voluntary assisted dying. We hope you'll join us then.